Welcome to Future Stories, a podcast from thejournal.ie. We're partnering with Volkswagen, a leader in automotive technology trends, to look to the future one topic at a time. Throughout the series, we're exploring everything from mealtimes to housing to your weekly supermarket shop and speaking to innovators and change makers. This time on Future Stories, we'll be looking at what's next in the world of food and nutrition, learning about how bacteria-rich foods can be used to treat depression and discovering if breakfast, lunch and dinner could soon be replaced by a once a day pill. So here are some elderberries. So they're just fermenting away. As you can see, there's a few little bubbles that are coming up on the side of the, uh, of the jar there. And that is the fermentation taking place. We know that happiness comes from the gut. So much of that is dependent on a good balance of bacteria in our microbiome. And fermenting foods is, is one element of that. That person speaking is Ashling, owner of the Fumbly Cafe in Dublin 8. And I've come here to learn about the healthy gut, healthy brain trend and the fermented food craze that is sweeping Ireland. So in the last couple of years, the gut-brain connection has kind of become the in-vogue area of, of science. A lot of that comes down to the guys down in UCC who are doing incredible research, like world-class research, um, in the area of the gut-brain axis. So I guess for us in Ireland as well, we're, you know, we've been hearing a lot about that because it's so close to home. You know, this research is coming out of an Irish university. So I guess, you know, it's, it's kind of become a little bit more part of the public consciousness. What Ashling is referring to there is a new area of research called psychobiotics. And researchers in Cork have been at the forefront of this new science. Emerging studies in the field of psychobiotics have demonstrated that gut bacteria can speak to the brain in ways that affect our mood, our appetite and even our sleep. So psychiatrists are starting to recommend a prebiotic diet for the treatment of depression, as certain foods have been shown to increase serotonin, also known as the happy chemical, in the brain. So we know now that 80% of the serotonin in our bodies is produced in our gut. This has been proven. Um, fermented foods is a very easy way that we can repopulate our guts with healthy bacteria that are going to help us to create that imbalance. Sometimes they're, when they're really, really active, and these ones are just young, you'll have it like bubbles will come rushing up to the top and explode all out the top, and you get that lovely shh kind of sound. Can you get that? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Another growing trend in nutrition with an expanding multi-million euro market is powdered food. The first of these to become popular was an American brand called Soylent. Named after an artificial food in Harry Harrison's 1966 science fiction novel Make Room, Make Room, Soylent was launched in 2014 after a crowdfunding campaign that generated nearly 1.5 million in pre-orders. So people are interested, but could this be the future of food? Soylent has received some backlash as it brands itself as a meal replacement product, but last year it was withdrawn from Canada after the Food Inspection Agency found it did not meet their standards for meal replacement. Closer to home, however, in Buckinghamshire, a similar product called Huel, short for human fuel, 
is gaining popularity and I've decided to try some for my lunch with some help from my roommates. Three, two, one. Stop. Okay, let's try it. Do you want to taste this? It's made of some sweet fuel. Uh, I think it tastes like the equivalent of a protein shake or something like that. That, that would be my take. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. What was the thing I said before? They had the malty type. Ovaltine. Ovaltine, but unheated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Soil and green is people! There's a standby right there. <laughs> Huel brands itself as a nutritionally complete powdered food that contains all the proteins, carbs and fats that one might need for £6 a day. So I've caught up with its co-founder, nutritionist James Collier, to find out what exactly I'm eating. It contains six main ingredients, which are oats, flaxseed, pea protein, brown rice protein, coconut and also sunflower oil powder and a bespoke vitamin and mineral blend. James is reluctant to use the term meal replacement to describe Huel. Rather, he describes it as a nutritional alternative to convenience food. Huel is a convenience food, but it's not a junk convenience food. But the company are conducting research to see how effective Huel could be if it was to be used as a meal replacement product. We managed to recruit two people and took blood results on that. We found that these people were yeah, had, had very good blood results at the end, and um, it demonstrated that Jewel is, is perfectly healthy, and in some cases, some of their blood markers improved. And we're actually doing that again at the moment. We're just about to start another slightly bigger problem. It's unclear yet whether people can live solely on powdered food, although an early 2014 study using mice found that when they were fed a powdered version of their pellet food long term, they did show signs of illness. However, powdered food certainly has its applications. But what I'm interested in is whether this could go a step further and could we one day be eating our meals in capsule form? In capsule form, no, because you're not going to get the volume of food you need. Other researchers believe meal replacement pills are a non-reality because people enjoy chewing food, as this is how we derive pleasure from eating. Because people enjoy eating solid food and carry on enjoying eating solid food. just make sure that you're um, choosing correctly. And if you're not choosing correctly, then we offer an alternative. So perhaps we won't be swapping our chicken fillet rolls for meal pills. However, another area where investors are putting their money where their mouth is, is lab-grown meat. Both Bill Gates and Richard Branson have invested heavily in lab-grown meat. And it looks like this could be a food we will be consuming in the near future. In 2015, on his blog, Bill Gates wrote, Raising meat takes a great deal of land and water and has a substantial environmental impact. Put simply, there is no way to produce enough meat for 9 billion people. That's why we need more options for producing meat without depleting our resources. If we continue to consume meat like we do today, and um, people in, in China, India are also increasingly consuming meat, then in 2050, when we have 9 million people on the planet, we basically need another planet. That's Kurt, a researcher and a philosopher from Denmark. And back in 2013, he was friendly with the Danish scientists who created the first ever lab-grown or in vitro meat burger. 
In vitro meat is a form of cellular agriculture where meat is grown from stem cells, incubated with heat and fed nutrients. And this is why some people are starting to call it clean meat. Because if you grow the meat in a lab setting, it's much cleaner than what we are used to today. And you can make basically also meat that is better than the meat we know today. I know you're friendly with the scientists behind the lab-grown meat burger. So where are we with that, with price and, I guess, availability in supermarkets? When when do you see this happening? Um, well, there are different companies uh, are working on, on, on the topic now. So they, they're also basically in a race, like, who can bring this uh, to market? And what's interesting is that, that the first companies already tried to bring it to market. Uh, so then the... Apparently, the price has gone down uh, enough for them, but the legislation is not in place. Uh, so, and this teaches us that it's it's not only about the technology and the price; it's also about uh, the, the social setting, the cultural aspects. Do people want this? And also legal aspects. As a philosopher, Kurt is interested in gauging the public's attitude to lab-grown meat, and this year he received much attention when he opened Bistro in Vitro the world's first lab-grown meat restaurant. At the moment, this is a virtual restaurant with concept dishes that Kurt believes could be possible in the future. We only take reservations from 2028, and in fact, already 2028 is fully booked, so now it would be 2029. If you want to book a table at Kurt's restaurant, you'll need to enter the Bistro in Vitro website and place an order for a three-course meal from a range of their wild, otherworldly dishes. One of the dinner options that caught my eye was knitted steak, made from artificial meat thread. Kurt believes that in the future, his in vitro chefs will be growing long strands of muscle tissue, which can be rolled into a spool. You just take some cells, and then you grow them into a piece of meat. If it's too difficult to immediately grow an entire steak, but you could make thin threads, then you could have this new kind of dish, which is the knitted meat. So you would basically have this thread of meat and you could knit it in your own uh, steak. My favorite dish to eat is the, the sausage from the, the pig from the uh, city farm, which I think is just a wonderful thing that you could feed the sausage to your child and then the next day you could, with your child, go to the city farm and there you will see the pig that you had the sausage from, because it's still alive. You, we don't have to slaughter the animal anymore uh, to have the meat. And the last thing I saw here I thought was interesting was celebrity cubes. Can you tell me how they work? Oh, yes. You know, our method is that we're not so much predicting the future, because you cannot really do that anyhow, but we try to be a radar for potential futures, things that may happen, uh, both good and bad, both dreams and nightmares. And one of the things that you have to address then, if you want to be this radar, is that, well, you can grow meat from cells from a chicken, a pig, uh, a, a, a cow, but yeah, you could also use human cells. And what if people would start to do that? What kind of dishes would we have? Uh, well, we envisioned indeed the celebrity cube, so that uh, famous people like Justin Bieber or Lady Gaga, or, they would dedicate a few cells um, and then we could grow them into a nice celebrity snack. Uh, you could also do this with your own body. That's, that's, that's another dish that we have. It's called the in vitro meat. Um, 
there you use your own cell material to grow a, a medallion of meat that you can then maybe serve in an intimate dish at a loved one. Uh, you would feed your lover your own body, of course, without doing anyone any harm. There are some kind of poetry in it, uh, although mo most people say, no, this is horror, we don't want it, okay, we don't have to do it, uh, but these are possibilities, and we all show them in, uh, in Easter and Vitro, so that people can decide for themselves uh, which future they want. Subscribe to Future Stories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts for updates on our next episode. Thanks for listening. Future Stories is brought to you by thejournal.ie in partnership with Volkswagen, who are the forefront of automotive technology trends, including autonomous driving, in-car connectivity and electric mobility. Volkswagen, we make the future real.